0: Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Hey, it's Julie again with another edition of What's Your Thing? And today I'm talking to Deborah Richmond who I met once or twice, not very often, I think, at Sweat Lodges, at, um, which is another story when we might explain what they are, but basically the whole day events outside um, carrying out very earth-based practices, I guess, and kind of, which involved getting very, very hot and, and semi-naked. And so, and so during we got to chat, and during that conversation, we kind of worked out that we had some things in common and then that we were both coaches, but also that Deborah was about to disappear off to Portugal to do something, which just sounded amazing, but it was quite vague to me when she was going off. So then she went and I followed her on Facebook and we had a bit of a chat last year and she's kind of making this amazing dream come true somehow. So um, I'm gonna, and when I was saying to Deborah what, what are we, what's the thing? How are we going to articulate it? And it, it's definitely something to do with the earth. So Deborah, welcome. Thanks, Julie. Nice to be here with you. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to just describe where you are just because it's so different? So we're in yeah. February in England and it's icy cold.
1: And uh, I am in central Portugal near the mountains of Serra de Estrella. And it's also been cold and rainy and frosty. And uh, yeah, we're um, here regenerating uh, 11 hectares of land,
0: which I guess is my thing. (laughs) (laughs) So will you introduce us to your land? Can you tell us a bit about your land? Just paint the picture for us. Yeah,
1: so um, we are overlooking the most stunning mountain range. That's the highest mountain range in Portugal. And it's Estrella, which is mountain of the stars. So we, we can see it from our land, so we're just on the outskirts of the national park and four years ago we bought, yeah, 11 hectares of pine monoculture land, so it's degraded land, um, with the vision to bring back uh, mixed native forest and to support the honeybee, but the honeybee returning to, the, to wild conditions not commercialized, um, domesticated um, conditions. And so I guess the, the what's my thing is, um, we, we call it rewilding in its loosest sense, which is rewilding ourselves, reconnecting and remembering we are nature and um, playing our part in uh, regeneration from a, an ecosystem that our, us humans through our behavior have um, depleted.
0: Oh, so I just have to tell you that as you said that, I got a whole, I actually feel quite tearful and um, quite shivery. There's, some, there's something that speaks so deeply there. It's, tell me more about what drew you.
1: You know, um, I feel like I was chosen. The land chose us and um, it spoke to us. It spoke to us and I I was looking on at the destruction and a system that was not supportive of the whole. And for whatever reason, this land chose us to be part of a new reality. The system that we are in right now does not support abundance. It does not support beauty. It does not support all species being in balance and yeah and through this land and through me being taught by this land all the all the species all the all the animals the trees I'm remembering who we are as humans and who we are as humans is beautiful connected creating together and um, I feel we're in an absolute system change at the moment we're coming back to nature and um, remembering and I feel like being here has taught me so much so much about coming home coming home to myself coming home to my part being nature and then connecting um with others that feel the same mm. no
0: it's it, it's such a beautiful uh, you speak about it so beautifully too I think that's the thing you you speak about it. Mm. That idea of the land teaching you, and I kind of, I definitely want to continue there. But can we rewind a bit to the life that you came from? Because I think when I met you, it was on a tipping point. I think you were on the cusp yeah. of, of launching. But I think when I, because I, I love the place that you're in. But I think for lots of people listening to this, you know, I'm sitting in a house with central heating on. It feels how how on earth do I how on earth do I get from a house with central heating on with a car and a job and a mortgage and uh, how do I get from there to where you are? How yeah. did you do it?
1: Yeah, and you know at the start you said when we spoke it, you it felt vague what um, I was doing, and you know at the time it was vague. I didn't know what I was doing. You suddenly feel this this call you know it's almost like a call back to the wild or call back to some other way and um I was still you know I've been background corporate world advertising did that for 15 years and then that merged into the coaching and the constellation coaching work that I do now and have done for the last 10 years and yeah it's a stepping stone because The system that we're programmed into is a different way. You know, you work nine to five, you have a job, you have this mortgage and um, follow this pattern that we have been on not that long, these these recent decades. And so to decondition myself from that, um, oh, maybe there's other possibilities. Maybe there's a different way. And yeah, at the start, it can bring up a lot of fear. A lot of can I do this, you know, and also you're going from, for me, I was going from a very, you know, a a lovely home in Surrey to switching on lights, to having the bath, to having the cooker, to having everything at my fingertips, to being on a piece of land that has a ruin and you're starting from scratch. And then let's see what happens.
0: And did you have any experience? Because it set, feels almost mind boggling that you hadn't done. Like, <laughs> did you do 101 how to how to grow a tree courses?
1: Nothing. I knew <laughs> nothing. I, I had a deep love of nature and I had followed a lot of um, indigenous ways, you know, things like the sweat lodge that we met at. And um, I had done a lot of body work, meditation. And so I think I was ripe. I was open. <laughs> but in terms of having any experience of living on the land, ecology,
0: or I've learned that along the way from being on the land. So so let me get this right. You arrived in Portugal, Mm -hmm. wandered around waiting for a piece of land to speak to you and then bought it knowing nothing. Is that right? Yeah, correct. (laughs) Actually, you know, I mean, I didn't
1: even want land and I had no connection Ah. to Portugal. My friends said come and have a look at this land and I said no I don't want land I don't want to move to Portugal. I was yeah, even like more bizarre than what you've just described then <laughs> and so within one week of being here and looking around was then when I felt the call. Cool. The land chose us and um, to be guardian
0: of it and so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So just, can we pause there right so what does that what does that even mean what does that feel like to have the land choose you and ask you to be guardian oh, How, what is that So
1: we spent one week coming to this land looking at it because my friend was keen on it and I was, it's a beautiful piece of land and so every day day would come walk around it and then on the last day before I was due to go back to England we both looked at each other, went into this certain clearing in the land and we both turned to each other and said, we, we're already guardians. We already own this. And we both looked at each other because it was quite strange. And it was almost, it's hard to put into words. It, it was almost like this moment of clarity and opening happened. Suddenly you're completely changed and different and there's just a deep knowing
0: did you feel, it sounds almost like it was a visceral, a body thing. Did body,
1: really- the the colors, the land, the, yeah. It's almost like I, you could describe it as like this kind of opening of deep knowing and then closing. And then you're like, what was that? Okay, this, this is meant for us. And then you sit with that. And then there's the rational um, after effects of that. <laughs> You know buying the land and okay what was that a deep connection and now we have to make that into practical physical reality so yeah we didn't have the money said we were going to buy it and then what i believe is then if something's meant to happen then doors open doors open the people arrive the money arrives and um you start a journey and did that all happen it all happened And it's, I think we've been, I think life is magic. Life is synchronistic occurrences. Life is about stepping and meeting the right person and the right thing and the right conversation. I think that's our natural way to live. I don't really think we're meant to be trying and pushing and like this other way of being that, yeah, it may work for people. Um, but I think it's all there it's just can we hear it can we see it can we follow it and the more that I've been connected to the natural world
0: the more that I feel it okay so my mind's pretty (laughs) so I have it like whoa my mind's blowing a bit here so there's that thing about because it's all the stuff I've read about about you. step in and it you know the person shows up. And, and I suppose that um before we kind of continue there, I just want to get like if you so you're, if your twenty year old self were listening to this, what how would she see it? What would she think of it?
1: My twenty year old self would be at university getting the degree knowing that they're going to get a job and wanting to work my way up the career ladder and would not be speaking like this.
0: And what would she make of it if she'd met you, you know, if those two U's met? She'd probably say,
1: let's go and have a beer. (laughs) Let's have a dance. And yeah, maybe like she might've said maybe, but yeah, I think there was always, I, I think I always had at a young age, the, um, possibility of something else because I felt what I was taught I I, it was never exciting to me I could pass the exams I could get the degree I could do the job I could that never challenged me but I never felt it was exciting
0: so there was an itch earlier yeah there was
1: I think if if I look back now there was always a itch from a young age that what I was being told was not natural, and actually do you remember
0: where that started do you, can you remember that? I just remember
1: sitting at school bored. uninspired and um and yeah, I felt like, where am I in this? Where's my uniqueness? what's mine to do? and yet this system felt so dry and and i think it's easy to be in the system and play the game you know it's very good to be like following like a sheep i think it's a a, a way definitely
0: and you get rewarded for it like you were rewarded you got degrees you got promotions you got money you got the house in surrey
1: <laughs> yeah you and it, and it's all okay you know and that world is okay but there's something that's not, I don't feel the magic in it. If I look back now, it was living. It was, I could say fun. I could also say creative But there was something that was missing in the magic of life existence,
0: why we're here. And okay. Rewinding further back before we move forward again about, so you're in your family, was there a sense of, of the magic in your family or, you know, no magic
1: no it was um I was very conditioned on one half in the corporate world and the other half of religious world Mm. so Roman Catholic and um wow they're very um they don't allow for other opinions and other inquiries and other possibilities they're they're very much about um conditioning conditioning you in a certain way and i remember as a child looking on at it all you know i never understood uh, religion when it was so people seemed so unhappy in it mm. uh, i'm not saying that's true for every every one mm. religious person but in my experience i never felt the joy within the system and yeah so i think you, you start to question you start to follow but i could see i was questioning And it was then later on when I was working on products in the advertising world that I didn't really believe in. And so the question kept coming, why am I working for something that I don't truly believe in? Mm. And then I I have to look at my values and who I am and what I want to contribute to the world.
0: Was that quite uncomfortable?
1: Uh, The transition, I could say, was very uncomfortable because you're I stepped out of the regular paycheck and the, the communities that around that, and then you don't have all these security blankets. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And then insecurities come up and self value, and then you're being yourself and offering yourself in without the screens of another organization. And yeah, I had to really look at that as the fears came Mm. And, um, dive into that, so don't let to not let the fear stick and stop me and keep inquiring and um yeah, some of it was pretty scary. Um, and I you know, as you move through the different layers of that, and I think I, I don't feel that fear now. Hmm. I feel way more the possibilities, but I think at the start, I was facing <laughs> all this this my my security blankets going.
0: Yeah. Well, who lots am of, I? yeah, lots of letting go and lots of losses. And I'm kind of wondering, cause from a kind of systemic point of view, you were obviously embedded in kind of family systems, work systems, friendship systems, and how, you know, often, you know, I remember once getting a job to work in Ladakh, um, t- this is one of my very big regrets in life. It's kind of the biggest regret. I got this job I just got back from India it was like come and work at this Tibetan children's school in Ladakh which is right up on the Himalayan border it's very Tibetan and I um I was like okay I'll go for it but there was so kind of the structures around me I was in my early 20s there was quite a lot of fear and I didn't go because I kind of it I was scared and then there was fear around me so I didn't go and I you know I that's one of those sliding door moments
1: yeah and that's a big thing the fear of others
0: can actually be greater what I experienced was
1: greater than my own fear uh, I had the fear of all these other systems that were saying you can't do that this isn't the way you know and um that took me into the inquiry of other ways of seeing life which uh, took me, me on to the initially into uh, meditate well Therapy to start with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Therapy to undo this conditioning that I had as a child that then led to meditation, yoga, indigenous ways of seeing. Um, and on then to constellation work, family constellations, which tell was me about, a bit about
0: what that is, because I know a little bit about that, but I'm guessing people listening may not know. Just can you explain that to me? me Yeah, for me the
1: work was like coming home. It's a a way to look at all these systems that we're part of and are they true to who we are or are we losing a part of ourselves in order to belong? So the whole work is based on um, us, our need to belong. And uh, it unravels all the blind spots of where we may have lost a part of who we are in order to belong. And I see this playing out everywhere at the moment, especially in the times that we're in. It's like I... You know, it's um, everything, every aspect of society—the financial system, governance, education, f- yeah, family—and and these systems have are so embedded in its historical context that is it relevant for the time that we're in now? And so you can look at these systems and the different aspects of them and look to find where it is um, blind spots and acknowledgements can be looked at. And okay, that's how we did it then, but is that relevant for now? Is that relevant for the times we're in? For example, with the environmental destruction we've done, is how we've done things in the
0: past Mm. now relevant for where we're at now? Yeah, so there's a lot of holding on with COVID, isn't there? Talk. I mean, they're still still talking about getting back, and it kind of what?
1: <laughs> getting back, getting back to a system that's destroyed our environment. Uh, yeah. Getting back to human behaviour that consumes and takes. It's unsustainable.
0: And do you know what? One in five children in Wales, even before the pandemic, were living below the poverty line. So it wasn't working then you know yeah. it's got so much worse during this time in yeah. food banks you know yeah. so it wasn't working
1: no nah, and it's a time for real raw honesty you know let's let's just get real mm. <laughs> and uh what are, are we all individually choosing to do and what are we choosing to invest our energy in and our time and what is the world that we wish to see right now and
0: so, yeah and so you were having those conversations with yourself before the pandemic like way before ago. I
1: think probably for 20 years <laughs> 20 years when my late 20s I really I think I've always questioned but my late 20s I questioned to the extent that I need to change things in how I live and uh, I'm an ongoing inquisitive inquiry inquirer to life <laughs> It's my highest excitement to um, inquire into um, who we are and what we're doing here.
0: (laughs) So Again, tell me a bit more about inquiry because you've used that word a few times about being inquisitive. What does that mean for you?
1: I think it's being open. For me, it's being open to what I don't know and curious, um, being curious to what is possible. And being open to what I may know now may not be real. Yeah. And um, I think when we can sit together as humans in that space, it's almost like anything is possible to arise out of that if we're shut or closed or judging or controlling it's it's hard to get fresh information
0: oh and even that phrase get information so that take us back to the clearing when you're not buying land in Portugal and you're not moving to Portugal and then you're standing in a clearing and you have an opening does that is that what you mean by getting information
1: yeah I feel We have so much support as humans. I feel it's also our birthright. We have so much support through the natural world where we put ourselves, I guess, at some top of the natural world. We've got it back to front. Once we humble ourselves and realise that we're here to learn and be guided by the natural world, things open open information intelligence and guidance that um, can support us um, transforming whatever whatever it is we put our intention to
0: again it's like whoa (laughs) can you give us tell me some stories about how you how nature has guided and taught you yeah So I can give some, so I'll give an example from the honeybee. So the honeybee
1: has um, been a main driver of this land and probably my inspiration uh, for here is I wanted to create a safe space for them where once they lived wild in the trees and now we more now think that the bees are in these commercial boxes and Hmm. they're for our honey production. No, they're, they're from the trees. The trees and the bees are one. And um, for example, one day me and Phil, who I have the land with, we, we were having quite a lot of arguments about different perspectives. And um, so we thought, you know what, let's go and sit by the bees. Let's see if there's something we can hear. And um, so we sat by one hive, one, one home of the bees. And this single bee came out with our tension and stress, and basically circulated around us for 10 minutes between me and him, me and him. And in that process, I could feel all the stress, everything dropping, and the bee basically cleared the energetic field of us. And at the end we were hugging, and it's like, it all gone, all the tension, all the arguments, it was just like this little single bee cleared cleared what we were holding and then it went back into its hive it's that it's that that we humans don't realize and that is such a sad loss to humanity and if we can connect back into that that is available to each one of us we can solve all the challenges that we're facing through our connection back to the natural
0: world and again I'll get that tear why do I keep getting tear? I keep feeling a teary bit in my chest and I think it's um I don't know I can't put a word to it it almost feels like longing look Long- yeah I think that's the word longing because okay so that's made it magnify you know I can feel the longing for that oh yeah take a breath
1: it's a beautiful word to use it it's that, yeah.
0: It's sort of, okay, so the feeling for me is like, oh, to come home. But I think it's that, that. And the yeah. deep exhale of um, coming home. <sighs> yeah. Is that, that. How, is that how it feels? It's that. Mm. It's that.
1: And that we are part of that, not separate from that.
0: So so I don't really have that experience of that but what I like what I've noticed is that during you know obviously in England we're in lockdown and we were just chatting before how you know I'm quite lucky I live in a little village it's not had that much impact um but I have felt lonely I've missed seeing people but I noticed that when I'm out in nature which is easily available here I don't have that sense of loneliness because there's trees and there's the river and there's the birds and there's the grass and there's the mud and there's the snow. And so actually I, that feels better then. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely.
1: Yeah. Completely, you know, take it to the land, take it to the mountains, take it to the trees. Yeah. And suddenly, and I think everyone can relate to this, you know, getting out into nature even if we're a city person you know i am i'm a city person i'm i've lived in london for years and you know surrey's a surrey's busy and um we all know we we all know this yeah and i think the difference in different people is that people know it at a deeper level then a deeper and deeper level then a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper level and you know it's a a bit like an infinite like an ongoing infinite never-ending teacher Mm. so maybe that you know then when you said the longing I think we're all longing for it I think Mm. I think every human is longing to come home to to the earth so there's something about
0: it being very simple that that actually you know like description of we're having an argument so 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 I think about all the arguments I've had with people which has led to you know relationship therapy years of therapy lots of stroppy phone calls storming off drama and actually you sat down for 10 minutes and let a bee buzz and it's kind of (laughs) like oh that's much much cheaper much quicker and much simpler yeah and and much less cognitive much much less thought head-based
1: yeah for sure
0: nothing more to say than that (laughs) okay so go back with this because I want to hear more of the story so here you are in the clearing you've had the Mm -hmm. opening the land has chosen you but you're (laughs) in (laughs) with a cooker in a front door and uh yeah and then (laughs) lights so so then what happened tell us the rest of the story so
1: yeah and then and then and then I'm back and I, at this time I'm still doing coaching work in London so at this ironic time I'm still up at like 6 30 to get the train from Surrey to Waterloo to coach three four days a week in a company in London and so then I'm in this dance oh okay so now I've bought this land but I'm still in London coaching and then you're you know the commuter train <laughs> the lovely commuter train and um so it was then that i thought you know i need to do some trainings so at this time we were getting the money together but still living very much in um my coaching corporate reality and so i thought i'm going to do some trainings i'm going to do some water ecology some permaculture trainings and uh, start to understand a little bit about what it means to be the guardian of a, a piece of land And I then did these trainings and it was the water training that transformed my life when I realised what we had done to water. (laughs) Do you know? No, I
0: don't. Okay, so I do know bits, but tell me what the water training brought to you. Well, I thought
1: I was learning how to make lakes and things like that. And uh, the man teaching had such an incredible knowledge and depth of his connection to water. And so he described the water table and that we've actually, through our activity has put the water table completely out of balance. The water is no longer flowing around the planet through um, the destruction we've caused. And I could feel that, I could go into that in a deeper level, but if you just, anyone can Google water table balance. Um, And the pollution and the rivers and the seas and the destruction and for two weeks i was learning about this and solutions for it um, but i finished the training and it's like i can't carry on doing what i'm doing anymore i need to get on the land i need to start planting trees helping the bees i, I knew at that point that my role was to become a guardian of the earth I can still coach, I can still do that work online, but my primary role was to protect this planet. Um, and I think that is the role of humans, we're guardians. And um, and then I, after that, I had to finish off some stuff, finish off the coaching. Then by January of the next year, I'm landing on this wild piece of land with a caravan, solar set up and, that was the start of my learning with this piece of land. And I had no, at that time, no corporate responsibilities, no emails I had to answer to in 24 hours. I was like totally off grid. I'd let go of all commitments. And um, here I was on this jungle at the time. It was brambles and jester and pine monoculture and that was the start of me being here. That was January two thousand and seventeen.
0: So let me get this right: you did a two-week course on water, and then did you do the two-week permaculture design? Yeah, yeah. So I've just talked to a guy on one of the other podcasts about permaculture design as well. So you, so basically, you'd had four weeks, <laughs> four weeks, four weeks of weeks training. training. <laughs> okay, one, one, <laughs> one fortnight of which changed your life, and the, and then they, and then you cut off all ties yeah and arrive. And, and how were those early days how did it feel to be there
1: they and still today were the most incredible because I felt like I was on this Ray Mears experiment you know <laughs> of some like ongoing nature adventure series uh, imagine a Surrey London girl city girl you know I had a um, a trench to go to the toilet literally shovel Um, and this caravan had windows so I could have like a 360 and kind of 180 degree view so it was the first time in my life day after day month after month I was watching the stars the moon cycles the wind the rain the sun watching where the waters moved over the land the species you know I was immersed I think I was in love actually (laughs) I was in love with this land and this experience and um and I can't believe I'd never been in relation in this way until that was now as early 40s I thought wow I might have been on a hiking holiday for two weeks or you know all those travel experiencing traveling after university but it was the first time for me being in with the elements at this level
0: Mm.
1: and um, just in love I think in love with nature Um, and everything was simple you know had just this one caravan with a solar life was super super simple and I was watching and observing and learning and I still think of it fondly you know now we have more facilities uh we're building houses and a constellation space the solar's been upgraded you know we've got a communal space and you know things are things are changing and it's still still basic but we're you know things have changed but it it doesn't There was some magic in that first year Mm.
0: because it sounds like in the first year it's almost like being newborn again
1: yeah good way of putting it it i think yeah i i has i was coming out of the womb <laughs> coming out of the womb again and uh, yeah again i think we can all relate to it it's those moments where we're in awe yeah you know you look out you're in nature and you're just like, wow, wow. You know, I, I think we can sometimes forget we are on the most incredibly beautiful, mm. mind-blowing planet. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, it's hard to know. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? And when I... I did. I suppose for me that kind of the work that I've been doing inwardly is just when well, I got to thinking about where are those moments where I felt most connected, most myself, most alive, and they were, you know, and please, friends and family, don't take this the wrong way, but they were by waterfalls. <laughs> they were by waterfalls and by the sea and by a tree or, um, yeah. Mm. That's why I love
1: children, you know, they hold that wonder so Mm. present, you know, and I, I, I feel this, this sense of wonder is, this is why we're having this rough ride at the moment, this sense of wonder, it's for us to remember again, Mm. to create, create communities and create life and villages around this. Mm.
0: And it's really, I was listening to, so I'm going to completely move away from Aurora to Radio 4, and it kind of. <laughs> and there was a guy, I can't remember, one of the chairmen of one of, I think it was Marks and Spencer or Sainsbury, someone like that, say, saying, you know, part of the economic recovery is we're going to have to rethink what we mean by towns, and we're going to have to make them more, have people living in towns, and, and reduce the amount of shops and make them smaller communities so that people can walk places and people won't want to commute in the same way and they won't want to And we've got to think about the environment and pe- and i kind of like oh <laughs> yes <laughs> um but let's get practical again so you're in your caravan where are you getting your water from how are you washing and where are you eating and and yeah. all of that stuff
1: down and dirty so I had to I had a 40 litre water tank that I would go down to the local village which is down the hill and fill up my fill up the water tank water litre tank and bring it back to the land because we have so we have six seven wells but at the time we hadn't cleaned them and the we hadn't done the piping work and the water pump and um as as much as yeah it was a heavy (laughs) heavy 40 litre tank there was a beauty in going to the local village
0: and filling it up from the fountain. Oh my. And, you literally <laughs> what did they make of you? What did the local villagers make of you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's lots there's lots of different nationalities here now. So I think
1: they're like, you know, yeah, it's interesting. We're returning to the land in a different way. And um and so yeah, I, I mean the caravan had everything, cooker, bed, shower. Yeah. Uh, you know it's like a tiny home so you adapt so you have a lot less things yeah you know that typical story where you downsize and so that was all pretty straightforward and um were you growing your own food at the start not from the start but from actually no we did an honorary herb garden to initiate (laughs) the food growing oh yes we did that was to plant a seed and now the, the garden gets bigger the veg garden yeah it just grows every year and we lived off it quite well last year and um so that continues I've just made eight new veg beds um so yeah and then from that phase little by little you add the next the next thing and um whatever
0: that is just done it incrementally as you felt your way there was no grand plan about year one but you had no five-year plan ironically
1: even though my whole training is about that and my whole background like what's the business plan what's each year's targets um that kind of thinking just fell by the wayside rightly Mm. or wrongly it just yeah a lot of it was observation and learning and um deconditioning
0: (laughs) Mm.
1: and um and actually as 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 we've come connected to the land you know maybe that structure will come in again it has its role and this year very much now we're at a stage where like the cottage is being finished that's the home the constellation space for workshops being finished the food growing's flowing you know shower block and you know and now we're heading into this year's very much finishing off the infrastructure to have comfort like the comfort that I love I think you can live on the land with comfort we've got like a friend's just bought a homemade bath to the land <laughs> so we're just setting up an outdoor bath so I think then it's like you get to a point where you've been back on the land you're learning yeah your, your comfort level goes for a while what it's depending on what type of land you buy and then you bit by bit build back up and I love luxury. <laughs> I love comfort so yeah you can have that with the land and um so after this year I feel like then there's all people doing this everywhere like here there's like 10 other projects lands we're all tree planting food growing you know creativity together and this is happening all over the world like these land-based communities are the future. I have absolutely no doubt. We're bringing through a new reality and bringing back that life to the villages and towns. Will shift into the way that they need to be. And I feel like we're going from we have to be global for the challenges we face, but the solutions and the communities are now these connected local communities that live from close to the land and. Um, nature and so I, so I feel like yeah sorry I feel I like I'm, no I just I feel like I'm investing in um what I believe in I believe what our part of our future is as humans
0: mm. and have you connected with the other people locally yeah and so how's yeah? That, I think- how's that working how does that what do you get from that learn
1: a lot from them the local portuguese in terms of abundance like you know we might may, may have grown 20 pumpkins and they've their harvest is like a hundred <laughs> so their knowledge you know a lot of them haven't left the land so their knowledge of the land and how to work it and to grow um so we can learn a lot from them and we're bringing in our flavor like with our cultures and i feel like it's interesting i had this conversation this morning with a friend i feel like one nationality feels like a bit of a monoculture i feel like the mix of different nationalities brings this Mm. hub of um creativity
0: Mm. well it would make sense wouldn't it that whole kind of yeah whether it's genetically it's good to have genetic mixes whether that's plants or humans isn't it hmm and, and is there a global network? You know, like, so I know there's, what is it? Diggers and, there, there are, what is it called? There is a online site, isn't it? Diggers and Dreamers is, it, is an online site, isn't it? And then there's yeah. always been woofers, But it sounds like you're talking about something different.
1: I think there's lots of versions of it in different ways. Like, so Portugal's a hub for it, uh, which I know the most. And then i know there's obviously other projects around the world and then there's an emphasis on maybe certain species so for me there's the honeybee global network and you know the other the other focuses that people have and i feel that these networks now in this coming phase are going to get stronger and more connected in some more concrete way that then allows others to join like more like more people
0: join because is that part of your I know when we spoke I don't know six seven months ago part of your longer term intention was to have people going over so how, how you know how, how do you see yourself helping this movement grow
1: yeah I see we are a little part of creating a space for people to come to see a different way of living in connection with nature the natural world of which we are part of and so it's i see all these hubs as spaces to inspire to inspire others
0: and do you think so I'm just thinking, you know, like, oh, I'd love to come over and hang out, but I could probably only come for a couple of weeks or a month. And then I'd probably come back to the same place. Cause... So do you think there is a way to take what you have to offer and integrate it into a house with central heating? <laughs> Why not? Why not? You know, and I think
1: I think the beauty of if, for example, you came for a month, this space creates time for you to know for yourself like when you connect with the natural world you will get guidance so you're like going back to Wales with oh this is my way with these people in this constellation mm-hmm. and I think we can all be open to those types of answers at this moment in time it's uh so you're, you're no I don't know for you you know for you and uh you have so much support from nature to help you know yeah your version of it
0: you look so happy you can't see her everybody else (laughs) looks so happy and relaxed and and just at home (laughs) in yourself
1: oh I just yeah I'm, I'm grateful you know I'm grateful it's um
0: have you got any other magical stories to tell us just to you know that like moments where you so there's the bee story and there's the clearing story have you have you got any animal we were just talking about my cat and your dogs have you got any other animal did you have horses did you you we had
1: horses yeah they're incredible teacher They're, they're teachers they're like psychic they know what you're thinking before you think it
0: (laughs) how does that just give it again can you give us tell us a story
1: yeah it's interesting we had three horses who were quite strong-willed all very different um they like to eat each other's food especially one and so we were coming with all these strategies to how to um keep peace (laughs) in the herd (laughs) And uh, as we were thinking, they would be manoeuvring by our thoughts.
0: So how like, we were like? How do you know that? Tell me. So tell me more.
1: So um, in this specific incident, it's just like I was like, okay, I'm going to take the food this way, so that this horse goes that way, <laughs> for example. And they're already moving to counteract what you're up to. So I think what. I feel that I learned from horses is what you think and what you do needs to be in integrity and clear. And if there's some kind of game, i.e. if we do this with the food and then do this, then they're not going to steal it from each other. They're just like all <laughs> over it.
0: <laughs> I did that? And it's like- So do you have an example of how that helped you in a human sphere? So that was you trying to outwit the horses on horse grounds. You know, did they help you in
1: this question? I love because this is exactly the point of it. They are such teachers in the unconscious within me. They bring it to the surface so vividly that then it helps in my reaction and relationship with humans because for example like now we have a dog hector he plays up
0: oh i've lost you the sound's gone hang on That's, i think you dod- i think you knocked your headphone oh i'm just going to press pause so we're recording again, and that was interesting because actually we lost communication there. Just when you were about to tell a horse story, so I don't know—is there a connection? Yeah,
1: interesting, hey. Um, yeah, the horse story for me—they—they—they they, they teach you to just what you think and what you say to be the same, mm. and if they're not, they will do behaviours so that to remind you to to be coherent um yeah and they're strong big animals you know so
0: it's not like yeah. a fly to respect and trees like you've t- so have you have you cut down the trees you like because you were trying to change it from a monoculture yeah
1: <laughs> I mean that's such an interesting like the first tree we cut down a pine because it's a pine monoculture I was traumatized (laughs) I was just like oh my god and 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 you know nature's always looking to come into balance and so again it's that connection with the trees the pines out of balance um it's all dying now interestingly from disease because for many reasons but um There's also part of nature that I feel like as a human, what's the right intervention? We're speeding up ecosystem restoration. Nature will do it itself if left alone, but we don't have the time. We now we need to intervene because of the damage that we've caused. And there's a part of it in that I've learned for myself in connection with nature to like, yeah, to say, okay, we're supporting the monoculture going and we are removing pine to let the light in so that the native seed bank can bubble up so all across the monoculture now there's oaks chestnut all coming back up from the seed bank and our role at the moment is to remove the pine a lot of it's dying in order that more light can come in but the first time I chopped a tree down it was I was like oh my god but it's about again connection and supporting and being part of that with nature Mm. you know we're doing this to bring back biodiversity
0: and have the other trees just come up because they were just there waiting completely
1: which is mind-blowing I still am in awe of it I'm still just blown away by how how quickly nature bounces back yeah it's I don't ever get bored of seeing the next sapling come through it. And they're just doing it. You haven't planted anything. We planted some. We planted fruit and nut trees for our own food source. And um, we have planted some in the forest area, but minimal because we're watching. And the rate that it's coming back is um, incredible. Mm. Nature. Nature turns around very quickly that's what I've learned from this the that's why I feel such I feel like we could turn this around I really feel because nature responds so quickly to heal and to transform that um, if more humans um, can be part of this I believe we can create this dream of a balanced ecosystem again
0: Mm. And, and when I listen to you I completely <laughs> like this that feeling I think it's le- the words that you say are important but it's that feeling that rises up in me of like the longing that for <laughs> me is the biggest indicator of um but yeah it's what certainly something that um draws me so we're coming to the end. I don't want it to come to an end because i want to be <laughs> there with you, sitting around a campfire having more conversations.
1: Uh, but, you know you're going to be here one day. Yeah, I know.
0: I hold the vision for it. So, so what have you, is there anything that when you reflect on this conversation that has stood out for you, maybe that's the important thing for you to hear? I think
1: for me is the importance of um deeper and deeper connection and intimacy with each other as humans to support each other in this and um yeah I feel now like we're 12 projects and I'm like bring on it being 30 bring on it being 50 bring on it being 100 you know it's that um the more, the more of us, the more of us doing this and being it, the more, the more our ripple is bigger.
0: So that excitement of growth, of, yeah, and, like the trees popping up. If you cut it, so that's actually the, what you've done is you've cut down the pine trees in your own life, haven't you? The corporate structures, the commute, <sighs> everything, and then the seedlings are just popping up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think because there's been this pioneer movement way before me as well, like there's communities here of 30 years and, yeah, and the indigenous people that are Mm. still holding so much knowledge and magic, it's like, it's now, I think it's, yeah, it's easy to come and extend and join a tribe (laughs) of people living back on the land. And you've got all these countries around the world to choose from. So, yeah, and even on our own doorsteps there's like I know if I went back to Surrey now if you know there is so much happening there mm. also mm. it's it's happening everywhere so um yeah I just I guess if if this podcast goes anywhere and it creates anything it's like more 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 humans <laughs> join us and be with us in uh collaboration and co-creation with nature
0: mm. Deborah, thank you so much. It's been, hmm. uh, in, yeah, inspirational. I've had the feeling of awe and some of that longing. And um, I know you're gonna give me some links to places where people can get in touch with you. Yeah. I do indeed hold hold the hope that um, at some point I will be sitting with you around a campfire with your dog. Uh, you
1: might initiate the lodge. Maybe when you come, <laughs> it will be our first lodge on the land.
0: <laughs> well, let's see. So I'm going to stop recording now. Thanks very much, lovely. Um, you. Bye. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening. Julie Leone here. Well, you can find out more about me at julieleone.com. But more importantly, if you know people or if you are someone who does a crazy thing or something that you feel passionately about or live slightly differently, then drop me an email at at yoursoulworks@gmail.com. Let me know about it and it'd be great to have you or um, your friend if they want to come on to talk about the podcast. In the meantime, if you liked it, please subscribe and if you can leave a review do that way more people find out about it just wanting to share exciting and interesting ideas um, particularly at this weird Covid time take care